Happy Mother's Day uh, to those of us here this morning who are mums in the room. Uh, we love our mums. We all uh, are here as a result of our mums. Um, but before we go any further in the service, I, I do this every year on Mother's Day, and uh, I want to pause just for a second here and acknowledge the fact that while it's a great day to celebrate the mums in our lives, uh, for some folks, Mother's Day can be um, almost bittersweet because uh, it can bring some, some sad memories. Maybe there's some of you here this morning, someone here this morning who um, mum's not here this year. Something's happened over the last year, and this may be your first Mother's Day without uh, a mum. Maybe growing up, the relationship relationship between you and your mom wasn't a great relationship, and, and Mother's Day almost is a, a reminder every year of, of the, the pain associated with that. Maybe this morning you're here and uh, you, you desperately want to be a mum yourself, and uh, for whatever reason at this point, that, that hasn't yet happened. Or maybe uh, Mother's Day reminds you of a child or even a pregnancy that uh, you lost a child or a pregnancy that ended, and again, Mother's Day should be a day for celebration, but for you it brings pain and painful memories. So I want to acknowledge that there may be some like that here this morning. Maybe you're watching online and, and that's the case for you. And I want to pause just for a second and pray specifically for you here this morning. So would you join me in praying? Father, we love you so much, Lord. And, and throughout Scripture, we know that you are the God who wants to get close to the brokenhearted. That, Lord, you promised to bring peace and comfort during times of sorrow and Father, while the world around us celebrates and uh, enjoys Mother's Day and gives gifts and gets together for family pictures, for some here this morning, Lord, there can be a tinge of pain associated with this day, Lord. And I just pray for any of those for whom Mother's Day uh, stirs up some, some painful memories or some painful feelings, Lord, that you'd be with them today, Lord. Let them know your love and your peace and your comfort today in their lives and just surround them today, Lord, I pray, with your love. Let them experience it in, in a tangible way today, I pray. For all the mums who are going through difficult times today, Lord, who are hurting, God, please draw alongside them today. Fill them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to show you a picture on the screen here and ask if you know who this lady is. Anyone recognize this lady? Um, I'll be surprised if anyone does just from this, this one picture. But this, this lady, her name is Anna Jarvis. And the reason we are talking about Mother's Day today, the reason we're celebrating Mother's Day today is because of Anna Jarvis. You see, back in the early 1900s, in uh, May 9th, 1905, Anna's mother passed away. And Anna decided that she wanted to, to create a, a holiday to remember the mums in our lives because of the impact her mum had had. And it's thanks to Anna Jarvis that we now celebrate Mother's Day over 100 years later here in the United States. You see, her loss had such a big impact on her that two years later, in May of 1907, she held a memorial for her mum. And it was such an amazing experience for her that she started to campaign the politicians and the leaders of the time because she wanted everyone to remember their mums in May. After seven years of campaigning and petitioning, finally it came to pass in 1914 when Congress passed a law designating that the second Sunday in May will from this point on be known as Mother's Day. 
So all you mums this morning that woke up to gifts from your kids or cards or flowers or whatever it may have been, you have Anna Jarvis to thank and her commitment to having a day set aside to honor the mums in our life. And I know I keep saying mums and you're like, Dave, I think that's a plant, okay? Where I come from, mums are your mum, mom, M-O-M. That's, I know that's what you guys say, but for the, the sake of today's message, I'm afraid all you're gonna hear about is mums, M-U-M. Now, Great story about Anna Jarvis and how she helped found this uh, wonderful holiday. But then things got weird. The story takes a little bit of a turn. There was a, there was a change took place. You see, by the 1920s, just six years after Mother's Day was established, Anna Jarvis had become quite upset about how commercialized Mother's Day had become. So she started to campaign against Mother's Day. She started to try and put it out of business. She was angry at the card companies, the flower companies, the candy companies. All of them were taking advantage of this holiday and profiting off it. She was so mad that one time she was even arrested for the protest that she was a part of to try and stop Mother's Day from happening. Her and her sister, Elsinore, they ended up spending their entire family inheritance to campaign against this holiday that she'd set up in the first place. Listen to this quote from Anna Jarvis, the founder, the creator of Mother's Day. A printed card means nothing except that you are too lazy to write to the woman who has done more for you than anyone else in this world. And candy? You take a box to mother and then you eat most of it yourself. It's a petty sentiment. She was mad. So all you mums this morning that woke up to candy and a card from Hallmark, your kids don't care about you. They're just caught up in the commercialization of Mother's Day. In fact, right now, kids, if you're listening and you got your mum nothing, you can lean in and say, see, mum, I just wanted to go with Anna's wishes. I knew that getting you nothing was the true, I just, you get my love every day of the year. That's, that's what you get free from me. You know, this morning, I just learned this story this week, and it kind of, it was, it got in my mind as I was thinking about what I was going to speak on this morning. Obviously, Mother's Day is a, a theme to tie into our service this morning. We've got some elements afterwards when you leave to really kind of uh, just cash in on this whole Mother's Day experience. But um, it got me thinking about what I wanted to speak on, and, and there was something about this story. There was something about what happened to Anna Jarvis that got me thinking about what it's like being a follower of Jesus what it's like to live life as a Christian. And I've learned a couple of things from Anna's story, and we're gonna share those, I'm gonna share those with you this morning. One of the things I've learned from, from Anna's story is that sometimes in life, things can start out well, but then turn bad. Sometimes in life, things can start out well, but then turn bad. Sometimes you can come up with a great idea to start a national holiday to celebrate mums, and then all of a sudden, it goes awry. Sometimes in our lives, things can start out well. We can have great intentions about where we're headed or what we're doing. And all of a sudden, things can change. Things can take a turn for the worse. And Jesus told us about this. Jesus warned us of this being the case in our lives. He gave us some advice on how to respond in situations like this. We have four men who write about the life of Jesus. Their names are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew uh, tells us this story that Jesus told. He was, he was teaching one day, 
And he used an illustration that we're going to read here in a second to talk about how sometimes in life things can be going really well and all of a sudden take a turn for the worse. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is, it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, well, they're foolish. They're like a person who built a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus tells us this story. It's a story about two men with two houses. And in this story, we don't know much, but we do know that there are two men and we know that there are two houses. And actually, the houses themselves are both great houses. In fact, I think if we were to walk past these two houses that Jesus is talking about, we probably wouldn't notice much difference. He doesn't say, oh, one house was built very poorly and one house was built very well, or one was a big, solid house and the other was a small, rickety house. No, he just says there were two houses. And I would guess that from the outside, those houses looked great. Now, Jesus isn't talking about houses here. When Jesus would tell these stories, there was always a deeper meaning that he was applying to these stories. In this particular context, the houses represented our lives. So when Jesus is talking about these houses, he's actually talking about our lives, what we're to build our lives upon. And much like this story, the challenge sometimes with our lives is if we were to look around here this morning, like these two houses, it would be easy to say, well, everyone looks like Things are going great. If I was to take a casual glance around the lobby as I leave today, I would assume that all of these houses here have been built very well because they all look great. Sometimes I think it would be easier uh, on a Sunday morning, especially as people come into church, to kind of get an idea of where their life is at. You know, um, uh, am I doing well or are things not going well? Am I following Jesus or am I not following Jesus? You know, things um, going awesome in my life? Am I facing some challenges? Imagine what that would be like if you could tell when people walked in just from the way they looked what was really going on in their lives. You'd have one group of people and on a Sunday morning they walk into church and they'd look like this. Everything's put together. The world is wonderful. The birds helped me get dressed this morning. It's just a great life that I'm living right now. I am doing just fine. But then the next person comes in and they look more like this. Yeah, <laughs> okay, things not so good in your neck of the woods. But that's not how life is, is it? As we look around, we all look very well put together and we all look like everything's going well. And maybe that's the case. Maybe right now in your life, things are going well. But like the houses in this story, sometimes in life, things can start out well, but can very quickly turn bad. Things that start out well can end up turning bad. And that's what happens in this story. Jesus tells us when talking about these houses that everything was fine until it wasn't. Because one day the rain came. It came in torrents. The floodwaters rose. The winds beat against these houses. And in that moment, the owners of these two houses that from the outside looked like they were great shape, all put together well, you know, all going good, 
we're going to discover that the houses reacted differently. Not because of the house itself, but because of the foundation upon which it was built. One of the houses had been built on a solid rock foundation. The other had been built on sand. And again, Jesus isn't talking about houses here. He's talking about our lives. And he's saying, what is your life built upon? Is it built upon the solid rock of me and what I teach and what it means to follow me in my life? Or is it built on sand, your own ideas, your own strength, your own journey in this life, doing it on your own without Jesus? Because the truth is, both will be fine until those things that start out well turn bad. And then the foundation, the true strength of the foundation is revealed. Maybe this has happened for you. Maybe in the last week, the last month, something that started out well changed. Something that started out well turned bad. It could have been a medical diagnosis. It could be a change in a job situation, a discovery that a friend or a loved one has let you down. It could be a tragic situation that you had absolutely no control of whatsoever but has impacted your life. Or it could be a tragic situation that you know Deep down, that only you are to blame for. It was a choice that you made, a bad choice, a wrong choice, and it's led to a situation that is devastating. But until just a few days, weeks, maybe months ago, things were going well, and then they turned bad. That's when you discover the foundation your life is built on. That's what happens to Anna Jarvis. She, she started out this great tradition and then in her opinion, it turned bad. But there's some great, great news I wanna share with you this morning. And that is that I believe that Jesus is in the business of redemption. Jesus is in the business of turning things around. Jesus is in the business of bringing good out of bad situations. Jesus is in the business of, of providing you with hope in the midst of those difficult times. You know, I wish I could tell you that that story I told earlier was of two different people who built two different houses and the storms hit one of the houses, but because the other guy had built his life on the rock, Jesus, the storms never touched it. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus says that both houses suffered storms. Both houses suffered difficulty. The people who follow Jesus go through tough times. And you know what? People who, who don't follow Jesus also go through tough times. But the foundation upon which our life is built can make the difference. And I believe that thanks to Jesus, things can also start out bad, but turn well. Things can start out bad and turn out well. So we start out by saying that in the situation with Anna Jarvis, things started out well but turned bad. But I actually believe that when Jesus is a part of our lives, he can take things that start out bad and he can turn them into something that will go well. I believe that because I've experienced that in my own life. I believe that because I've seen it happen in the lives of friends and people here at Connect. But I believe it as well because I believe what the scripture teaches to be true, the words of Jesus, the words of Paul teaching about Jesus, I believe their words to be true. And Paul has this amazing thing that he tells us in Romans. 
So this verse, one of my favorites, um, my son, Ben, he's my oldest son, he's a college-age son, he's uh, just got back from his spring semester, he was studying abroad, Spanish is one of his majors, so he got to spend all spring in Madrid, and he had a wonderful time, him and three uh, classmates from his college were in Madrid for all the spring, and while they were there, they traveled a lot, and one of the places they got to go while they were there was to Israel. So my son spent a week in Israel. I've never been to Israel. I was so jealous. He's sending me pictures because he's, he's literally walking the roads that Jesus walked. He stood in the places that Paul stood and, and taught from. He texted me one day, he said, Dad, I'm outside the spot where they believe Jesus' body was put the tomb. I was like, you're kidding. I was like, go and check, make sure it's empty. He goes, it is. I said, thank goodness, because I've been preaching that for years and, and that's good news to hear. So Ben had a fantastic time. He loved Israel, and he decided, before I leave to go back to Spain, I want something as a souvenir for my trip here. And being my 21-year-old son, he wasn't just going to shop and buy a little ornament. He decided he wanted to get a tattoo in Israel. Yes. So here is my son's tattoo. This is a very cool, artsy picture of his tattoo with Israel in the background. I'll show you another angle of it. There it is. So these are Roman numerals. And if you know your Roman numerals, you'll know that that's 828. 828 is what those two uh, numerals spell out. And the reason you got that is because it's a reference to a verse that Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans 828. It's one of his favorite verses. We're going to read it here in just a second. But on Mother's Day, I thought it was appropriate that I should tell you that when he texted his mum to tell him he was getting this, there was quite a large text exchange went backwards and forwards. There were some long texts from, there was a lot of bubbles waiting, you know, for the, the text to come through as his mum was like, you, what are you going to get? Where are you going to get it? Don't make it too big. Don't make it too stupid. She just didn't want him having any regrets because some people can have a tattoo and they regret it. Some people regret it. <laughs> They regret the tattoo they got. <laughs> so Casey's texting Ben. She really wants to make sure that he does. And, and I think it was a, a tasteful one. But it is Mother's Day. So if your mum says you can't have a tattoo, you can't have a tattoo. All right? End of story. Don't, don't say, well, Dave James said that he, he might use my tattoo in a sermon one Sunday. Mum, come on. Let me get a... This is what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes for them. We know that God causes everything to work together, the good and the bad, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I love this verse. Ben does too. He got it tattooed on his leg. I love this verse because it is the heart of the gospel message. It is the very core of the message of Jesus. God's Story for us is that he sent his son into a bad and broken world to rescue us from death. He saw that we were lost without him. He saw the, the brokenness and the pain and the death and the sickness in this world. And he sent Jesus to come and to die in our place because he loved us so much. The heart of the gospel message is that God's taken something broken, something um, destroyed and turning it around for his good, bringing life out of it. I love that I get to read that verse and share that thought from this stage in this building. I'll tell you why. Um, 
for those of you who don't know, we were a church plant back in 2013, and for the first six or seven years, we met in Washington Middle School, but our heart was always to have a permanent location that we would call our connect home here in the community. And, and while we were open to anything, we would have bought lands and built a building. When this opportunity presents itself to, to renovate this space, we jumped at it because it was a perfect location. We loved the idea, but I felt like one of the, the best parts of, of moving here is because there's a little bit of a story as to what took place. You see, this used to be Walmart years ago, and then they moved out to their new location, and half the building sat empty, and then Tractor Supply Company was in this half, and then a few years before we moved in, they moved out. So, so for quite a while, this was just an old, broken-down, empty building in the middle of town. It was actually a bit of an eyesore. And then we got to come and make this our new home. We got to make this Connect Center. It's a place of life for the entire community. This is, the, this is where Connect Church meets on a Sunday morning. And the story is that God took this broken, empty, run-down place and breathed new life into it. And now every day of the week, People are coming in and there's life and vitality. On Sundays, lives are being changed as God impacts the lives of people here at Connect. And I love that the story of our building is the story of Jesus, that he wants to redeem and bring life into our broken, empty, run-down lives. That he wants to come and restore us. There are stories that some of us could tell this morning of how we used to be like this building and now we're like it is right now. Because Jesus transformed us from the inside out. Because we know that God can take everything and work it together for his good. For those who love him. And I believe he wants to do the same in your life this morning. Because we can get caught up too easily in some of the bad in our lives and say, well, there's, there's no hope for me. If you knew what had happened, if you know what's going on right now. But Jesus says, I want to redeem that. I want to change that. I want to bring good out of that. And there's nothing that he can't transform and bring good out of. There's a wonderful lady. Her name's Christine Kane. She's a, a pastor and a leader from Australia. She's fantastic. If you've ever heard her preach, she's just a real fiery preacher. And um, I got to hear a little clip of a sermon she preached on Mother's Day a few years ago to church. And it was just so inspiring because here she is on Mother's Day telling this, this story, preaching this sermon. And she herself has come from such a difficult situation. She grew up in Australia. Um, she was abused as a young girl. Uh, she wasn't a Christian when she was in her teens and she got into all sorts of things and just her life was a complete mess and then she became a Christian and God transformed her life completely and um, she was amazing, God did amazing things with her, she's working with organizations that help um, free people from sex trafficking around the world as well as preaching in different churches, she's just doing so much to make such a difference. And then in her 30s, just about 10, 15 years ago, she uh, gets a, a call from her mom to come for a family meeting. And in this family meeting, she discovers that her brother and her were adopted. She had no idea. She said it transformed every Mother's Day I've ever had because I suddenly realized that all these Mother's Days had been with a woman that wasn't actually my mom. At this point, when she's speaking this sermon, she still doesn't know who her real mom is. She just knows she was given up for adoption as a baby. So she's dealing with all of this stuff in her life and she shares in this message that the things that could so easily have sidelined her, so easily could have taken her out of the race, God took 
and redeemed. God turned it around and God used it for his glory. She talks about it in this clip. Check it out. You either truly believe that you and I are created by God in the image of God, full of God-given purpose and full of God-given destiny, regardless if that day, 13 years ago, it changed the way I look at every Mother's Day since then. You know, the only way you and I are going to fulfill the potential and the purpose that God has for our lives is to build our lives on the truth of his word and not the facts of our circumstances. See, so many of us limit our lives and limit our capacity based on what somebody else has said about us, based on what science says or economics says or what the political situation is or what the education department has said. And all of those things are great institutions, but they didn't create me and they don't define me. God created me and his word defines me. And if you understand that, it will change everything. That's why Mary was able to say, and you're all wondering whether I was going to pull a text in back into this, so here it goes. And that's why Mary was able to say to the angel, what is impossible, or the angel said to her, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Mary said to him, all things are possible with God. God can do the impossible. I'm living proof that he can. Because when I got my documents a year later, I am living proof that you can start bad and finish good and everything that I'm doing, and I'm not saying this by any way to boast of me, but just to, so you can leave here and marvel at the grace of God and what God is able to do if you will not allow yourself to be limited or defined by what has happened to you. My identity is not that I'm an ex-anything. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I was abused for 12 years, but you know I'm 47 years old, which means I haven't been being abused for 35 years. So why am I going to get my whole identity and allow my future to be defined by this little thing that happened for 12 years of my life? Some of us have allowed one moment of time, one mistake, one regret, one action to rob us of the whole future that God has. You know, I've not been being abused a whole lot longer than I was being abused. The devil took enough of my life. I'm not giving him any more. I'm not giving him any more. No way. And if you caught that line, she said, I, start, I, I am living proof that you can start out bad and finish good. I'm living proof that you can start bad and finish good. What a powerful story. And I think for all of us, sometimes we, we, we get hung up on this idea that, oh, well, because of where I'm out, because of what's happened or the situation, you know, things will never turn around. But Jesus wants to redeem and transform and change every situation if we'll allow him to. Whatever you're going through today, God can redeem that because he can cause everything to work together for his good. I know this because Paul wrote this to the Romans and I know this because I've seen it happen in my life and I've seen it happen in the lives of others. And sometimes I think the only thing that stops that from happening, you know, Jesus can do all things, all things are possible with Jesus, and yet he has limited his supernatural power because of our natural thinking. 
I think sometimes we, we stop watching because we talk him out of it. We're like, oh, well, Jesus, I don't think you could do that. Or if you knew my situation, you know, there's, there's no way that could happen in my life. Or if you knew how bad I've had it, there's no way that could change. And, and before we know it, Jesus wants to do something transformational in our lives. And we stopped it from happening because our natural has got in the way of his supernatural. And I want to tell you, there is nothing that Jesus can't do. There is no situation, however dire it looks, that Jesus can't turn around and help you through. And I know this because I believe it, because the scriptures teach it. And I know it because I saw it happen in the Kentucky Derby just yesterday. <laughs> Check out this video. So there's a snatched after three quarters in one minute, 10 and four foot seconds. And now epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Brown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Brown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozo's in behind them. Cybernet sweeps up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run, and they're into the stretch. It is Messier, Brown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two, stride for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter Sandon. Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Is that amazing? <laughs> That is Rich Strike somehow miraculously finding its way through the pack to win the race. It's also me driving up 24 when I'm trying to get to the mall. And uh, in my head, I'm like, I can do this. I can get to the front of the pack. You know, when I see a video like that, it inspires me because it just shows me that sometimes we can be amazed at what can actually happen. And it's so much more so with what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to amaze you in how he can just miraculously transform situations that you might find yourself in. But there's one more thought I had with regards to this that I think will be helpful for us to remember on this Mother's Day. You know, sometimes things can start out well and then turn bad. And, and some of us have got wonderful stories this morning of something that started out bad and actually turned out well. But whichever the two that is, I bet every one of us could tell a story of how, but you know what? In the midst of it, I didn't go through that alone. You see, the truth is that this change very rarely happens without the help of someone else. The reality is whether we're going through a difficult time or we're coming out of a difficult time, oftentimes we can tell stories of how it was someone else walking alongside me that helped me get through it. It was someone else that was there for me. That's actually what helps me get through the situation that I'm in. I mean, it's true, isn't it, that when we're in need, when things are going bad, knowing there's someone we can turn to can make such a difference. When my kids were younger, they would either come to me or to their mum, depending on the particular situation. Um, actually, that's not completely true. They would always go to their mum unless they needed money, and then they would come to me. But for everything else in life, they went to their mum. And uh, I knew I was going to say this on Sunday, so I talked to Emma, my youngest, and I said, hey, I'm going to say this on Sunday, that, you know, growing up when you guys were younger, that you went to mum for everything, but sometimes, but, but you'd come to me for money. She goes, no, dad, that's not true. I was like, oh, good. She goes, sometimes we go to mum for money as well. <laughs> she said that, it's true. And the truth is that, while our kids tend to go to mom for different things, the one thing in my family anyway, the one thing that we experienced with the kids growing up was when they were in pain, 
when there was a cut or a headache or a bee sting or something that happened, it was always mum they went straight to. They wanted mum, they'd be crying just to kind of hold them, to console them, to tell them what medicine would help take away the pain, to put whatever cream on, need to... I was just the, suck it up, just walk it off, you'll be fine. <laughs> mum gave that compassion, that love. Even to this day, my kids are older and they still call or text my, my wife and like, hey, you know, what should I, I've got this headache, what's the best way to treat it? Because there's a part of us that when we're in pain, when we're going through difficult times, we want to turn to someone. On Mother's Day, it's a good reminder that oftentimes it is mum. But there was a man who lived thousands of years ago, his name was Solomon, and he understood this inbuilt desire within each of us. Because he talked about it in a book he wrote called Ecclesiastes. Listen to what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other two can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And I always like to imagine that, as Solomon's saying those words, that the, the three are, are God as a part of that relationship. Having God at the center of, of relationships we have makes our relationships even stronger, like a, a triple-braided cord that cannot be easily broken. The truth is we need one another and a church community is a wonderful place to find that support and care. And here's why I think it's really important to remember this fact on Mother's Day in particular. I came across a study just this last couple of weeks and it was talking about how kids who've grown up in the church uh, oftentimes will go one of two ways. They'll either stay in church once they've graduated high school or they leave church altogether. And this study tried to, to analyze the difference between the kids who stayed and the, the kids who left to see what the differences were. And there was, there was a few things they found. One of the things they found was that um, kids who had a spiritual experience at home as well as at church. So it wasn't just kids' church or the youth group. You know, when they were at home, maybe they were praying before meals or uh, parents were going over their God times so they brought back from Connect Kids or having a spiritual conversation. But there was some kind of spiritual input at home as well as at church. Another thing they found was that kids who eat together with their family, families that eat together, has a stronger impact on those kids growing up, and they tend to stay in church after graduating high school. But here was the one thing that came up in this study that I found was fascinating. They said one of the key things that separated those that stayed from those that left was that they had five to six adults outside of their own parents who modeled a faith in Jesus in those formative years that there were people outside of mum and dad, it could have been uncles, aunts, grandparents, volunteers in the kids' church, volunteers in the youth group, who were modeling a relationship with Jesus outside of the, what they saw in their own parents' lives. That means that every one of us today has the opportunities to make a difference in the lives of someone else. We could be modeling Jesus to someone else. We could be transforming someone else's lives. I love that my kids have grown up in Connect Kids. I love that they've been a part of Connect Youth because I've heard youth leaders and youth pastors and kids sponsors telling them things that I would tell them, but now they're hearing it from somebody else and it makes a difference. And we too can make that difference. So whether it's going through a crisis in your life or just the crisis of growing up, being a part of a community can help you get through those difficult times. 
And I'm not sure why you're here today. Maybe uh, you come on a regular basis. Maybe you're just visiting. I know Mother's Day can be a great day for mum to say, all right, family, we're all going to church and, and everyone gets to come. But I hope that in finding yourself here this morning that Jesus is speaking to you. That he's speaking to you this morning that you're under the impression, or you, you, you are the understanding that, that sometimes in life things can be going really well and then turn bad. That if you find yourself in one of those situations where things have turned bad, that Jesus wants to walk through that with you. He wants to redeem that situation. He wants to be at the center of what you're going through. And that you don't have to go through this alone that there are people who are a part of Connect Church who want to walk alongside of you, support you in this. Make sure that you don't have to carry these burdens, these heavy burdens by yourself, but will love you and support you and care with you. So I hope if you've not yet found that relationship with Jesus, that you would reach out to him. And maybe it's just making a commitment this morning to come back, to say, I want to keep coming to Connect. I'm going to be a part of this church because I want to experience that love and that community to help me through the good times and the bad. I want that kind of foundation that when the storms come, the house stays strong. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for the mums in our life, for the impact so many of them have had. But thank you, Lord, that um, you are just the, the perfect parent to us all that your love and your support and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness in their lives to be with us when things turn bad, but also to help us get through them to see things turn good. You are there for us. So Lord, I pray everyone here this morning would discover the, the love that you have for them individually. Lord, I thank you for the families, for the mums in the room. Lord, let today be a great day. Let them enjoy their times together, enjoy their lunches together and uh, be with everyone today as they go their separate ways. In Jesus' name.